Section 11 of The Book of Whales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mike Botez. The Book of Whales by Frank Evers Bedard. Chapter 6. Part 1. The Right Whales. The whalebone whales, Mista Cosetti, are separated by all naturalists from the toothed whales as a distinct division which is characterized by the possession of whalebone. This is not, however, the only feature which distinguishes the whalebone whales from the odontoceti. The skull is nearly symmetrical. In fact, it is not perceptibly asymmetrical. The nasal bones are equal or sub-equal in size, and in their characters more like those of a ordinary mammals. They are placed side by side, have truncated ends, and roof over the nasal passage to the extent of their length. The frontal bones are not overlapped by the maxillae as they are in toothed whales. There is a distinct lacrimal bone. The two rami of the mandible meet only at the very end and for a very short space. They are, moreover, as a rule, connected at their junction by ligament only. They are much bowed outwards and enclose a spoon-shaped area. The skull as a whole is more or less arched, most so in the right whales. This structural peculiarity is obviously connected with the presence of whalebone and is less developed in the rorquals, where the whalebone is shortest. The ribs are never attached to the vertebrae by more than one head, which is the tubercular head, i.e. that articulating with the transverse process of the vertebrae. The sternum is always in one piece, and only a single pair of ribs articulate with it. It is always very small in proportion to the size of the body, and does not represent a fused sternum of several segments, but the manubrium only. It is usual, perhaps, to divide the Mistacoseti into two families, the Balenidae and the Balenopteridae. This arrangement is that followed by Gray in his catalogue. It is the arrangement found in many textbooks of zoology. In his supplement, however, Gray laid still greater emphasis upon the structural divergences to be seen among the whalebone whales and arranged them thus. Suborder 1. Balenoidea containing but a single family, Balenidae, and suborder 2, 
Balenopteridia, containing the families Agaphelidae, Megapteridae, Physalidae, and Balenopteridae. The other extreme is accepted by most writers who allow but a single family, Balenidae. I am disposed to allow the two families, Balenidae and Balenopteridae, but there is something to be said for but a single family, chiefly on account of the characters of Rachianectes and Neobalena. It is rather curious that Dr. Gray, with his liberality in the manufacture of families, did not dignify the last named by creating a special family for it, especially as he divided the Rorcolts into two families. Both Rachianectes and Neobalena to some extent interfere with the naturalness of the families Balenidae and Balenopteridae, and so does that less known genus Agaphelus, if really distinct, with which Cope at first united Rachianectes. Rachianectes has the general outline of a rorqual, but there is no dorsal fin and the throat plates of Baleonoptera are reduced to two. The baleen, however, is short as in the rorquals. The skeletal characters are also to some extent intermediate. The cervical vertebrae are free as in rorquals. The sternum is as in that group and so on the whole is the form of the skull but when the skull is seen from the side, the premaxillaries are as obvious as in the Greenland whale, and the forepart of the skull is narrow as in that cetacean. The scapula, moreover, is not so elongated as in the rorquals, but has more the shape of that in the genus Balena. Neobalena is placed by Gray among the Balenidae, but it has several balenopteroid characters. It is, however, a true balena in the length of the baleen and in the consequent arching of the skull. But the frontal bones are rather the processes of those bones which cover over the orbit are broad as in Balenoptera, and not so narrow as in the right whales. The skull, as a whole, is not so disproportionate to the body as in the genus Balena. It is more like a rorqual in this particular. Finally, the scapula is rorqual-like in its anteroposterior elongation. It is not nearly so high as in the right whale. On the other hand, the sternum marks affinities of Neobalena with Balena. I should be disposed to describe Neobalena as a Balena with affinities to Balenoptera and Rachianectes, 
as a Balaenoptera with affinities to Balaena. Concerning Agaphelus, we have less information. Of the two genera just mentioned, there are skeletons in the British Museum which I have been able to study. Agaphelus has no dorsal fin and is said to be without throat plates, but this has been stated of Rachianectes, which is figured by Scammon as having two of those plates. On the other hand, the baleen is like that of Balenoptera in being short. The scapula is like that of the same genus. Further information is required before the genus can be placed with an approximation to accuracy. Family Balenidae. Skull very much arched and narrow anteriorly. Lower jaw without marked coronoid process. Cervical vertebrae fused. Baleen very long. Pectoral limbs short. No grooves on throat. The last character may prove to be not applicable to Neobalena, which is, as already explained, somewhat intermediate between the right whales and the rorquals. This family of whales contains but two genera, and these include between them probably not more than three species, of which two are referable to Balena. Genus Balena Size large, 50 to 60 feet. No dorsal fin. Head more than one-fourth of the length of the body. Orbital process of frontal not wider than downward process of maxilla. Scapula rather high. 12 to 15 pairs of ribs. Hind limbs consisting of a pelvic bone, femur, and tibia. The right whales, as it is usual to term the Greenland whale and the southern whalebone whale, are so termed on account of the fact that they are the right kind of whale for the whaler to attack. Their whalebone is finer and longer than that of others, and the oil is more abundant and of a superior quality. These whales are characterized in addition to the characters given in the definition, which are not found in the allied genus Neobalena by the enormous head and the peculiar form of the mouth, which is shown in the accompanying illustration. The skull is mainly distinguishable from that of Neobalena by the characters of the frontal and maxilla given in the diagnosis. This character is very plain on an examination. It is an interesting fact to note from Professor Huxley's figure of a fetal southern right whale given in his anatomy of vertebrates that in the fetus the frontal in its proportions more approaches that of Neobalena and the Rorquals. This is so far confirmatory evidence of the view that this genus is the most modified of whalebone whales.
On the other hand, it must be remembered that the greater perfection of the hind limb points to a less modified condition than that which is exhibited by Balenoptera, where the limb is still further reduced. And furthermore, the ribs point to a more primitive stage in Balena. In the Rorquals and Neobalena, very few have capitular processes. In a specimen of Balena biscayensis at the British Museum, of the 14 ribs present, the first two had no capitulum, but the ten following on each side were provided with capitular processes. There would seem to be some little vagueness about the number of ribs in this genus. Vagueness is, however, readily produced by deficient specimens, and this fact may easily account for some of the discrepancies but there would not seem to be any method by which a less number of ribs should be converted into a greater. The Greenland whale is characterized by Mr. Lydica as possessing but 12 ribs, and thus distinguished from its southern congeners, which has 15. The skeleton of Balena mysticetus at Brussels is described by Sir W. Flower as having 14 pairs of ribs, though the usual number is stated as 13. The sternum of Balena is not cross-shaped as in Rorquals. It is oval, decreasing in diameter behind, or somewhat heart-shaped in contour. The scapula is high, thus contrasting with the more elongated scapula of the Rorquals. It is, or perhaps rather has been, a matter of dispute as to how many species of whale are embraced in the general expression right whale. It is the prevailing opinion at present that there are but two properly established forms, i.e. the Greenland whale and the southern right whale. Balena australis, but it may be that there are others. Scoresby writes of tribes of whales inhabiting different regions which are to be distinguished by different proportions of head and trunk. Those inhabiting southern latitudes, he observes, have commonly long heads and bodies compared with their circumference moderately thick blubber and long whalebone. Those of the mean fishing latitude, that is, 78 to 79 degrees, have more commonly short, broad heads compared with the size of the body. In some individuals, the head is at least one-third of the whole length of the body, but in others scarcely two-sevenths. Inasmuch as whalebone whales, undoubtedly belonging to this genus Balena, occur in all the ocean from north to south, from east to west, it is at least possible that there are different races. But on the other hand, the facts which have been gathered in support of such contention are not convincing. 
Certainly it does not appear justifiable to erect, as has been done, a large number of distinct genera for the inclusion of these right whales. Thus the late Dr. Gray allowed in his catalogue, besides Balena, Eubalena, Hunterius, Caperea, and Macleaius, Neobalena, on the other hand, which will be dealt with presently, is clearly entitled to generic rank. As to Macleaius, it appears to have been founded on a mistaken impression gathered from an imperfect photographic representation. At best, it depends entirely and only upon the cervical vertebrae of which the altas was at first thought by Gray to be distinct. This would be, if it were true, a difference. But though that character is dropped by Dr. Gray in his supplementary catalogue from further information received, the genus is valiantly retained. Hunterius Teminki was based upon a young and incomplete skeleton in the Leyden Museum, described also by Schlegel and Flower. Its chief character is that the first rib is very broad, with two heads attached to the transverse process of the first and second dorsal vertebrae. As a matter of fact, the statement itself is inaccurate, for Sir W. Flower pointed out that the attachment was in all probability to the last cervical and first dorsal, the apparent position being due to a mistake on the part of the articulator of the skeleton. This character may surely be dismissed as an abnormality, for in the figure which is given the rib is clearly two ankylosed ribs. It is bifid not only at the head, but at the other extreme. And moreover, the same state of affairs was found by Sir W. Flower in an example of the southern right whale B. australis. Furthermore, in the thinner Baleoptera rostrata, a similar double rib has been recorded, and in the British Museum the skeleton of Rachianectes shows an identical state of affairs. Van Beneden asserts the same as an occasional character of the porpoise and globicephalus. The only other character of importance mentioned in the diagnosis of the genus is the existence of 15 pairs of ribs, a character which exactly fits in with the assumption that this whale is nothing but a specimen of Balena australis. Caperia, the New Zealand whale, has even less claims, if possible, to be considered a valid genus. It is practically based upon a slight difference in the form of the tympanic bone. The slight development of the acromion is apparently a question of age and deficient ossification. 
Finally, there is Eubalena to be considered. The main characters of this are that it has 15 pairs of ribs, of which the first is not bifid. It seems to be merely a variation on the theme of Balena australis. As to the species of this genus Balena, there can be no question of the existence of two, the Greenland whale, B. mysticetus, and the southern right whale, B. australis. The former is extremely limited in range, being entirely confined to the polar seas. The latter is worldwide and probably includes all the whales already spoken of under the various generic names already criticized. Balena mysticetus. The species may be thus characterized. Length 50 to 65, rarely 70 feet. Head one-third of the length of the body. Whalebone 10 to 11, rarely 13 feet in length. Color black. Under part of jaw white. 13 pairs of ribs, about 54 vertebrae. This is the Greenland whale, right whale or whalebone whale, is a purely polar species never descending as far as our coasts. The reputed occurrences of right whale in British seas seem to concern Balena australis. This great creature, bulky though it undoubtedly is, has been very much overrated as to its size. Scoresby, whose experience was large, says in his account of the Arctic regions that such dimensions as 80 or 100 feet are quite absurd. Of 322 individuals, in the capture of which Scoresby was himself concerned, not a single one exceeded 60 feet in length. The largest ever measured by himself was only 58 feet. An unusual specimen caught off Spitsbergen at the beginning of the century was barely 70 feet in length, though its whalebone was as long as 15 feet. Even the older observers, who had a tendency to exaggerate the size of these sea monsters, were not always unreliable upon this point. Edge, at the beginning of the 17th century, contended himself with describing the Greenland whale as a sea beast of huge bigness, about 65 foot long. The head of this whale is about a third of its total length. There is a slightly hairy covering in the form of a few scattered short white hairs at the extremity of both jaws. Though the whale is usually black, Scoresby relates that he has seen specimens that were piebald all over. An exaggeration of the occasional white tracts that are normal for the species. This whale has no voice, though they make a loud noise in spouting.
It swims slowly, usually at the rate of four miles an hour, but when diving they reach a velocity of seven to nine miles an hour. This velocity is so great that whales have been found to dive to the bottom of the water a mile in depth and to break the lower jaw by the violence of the impact. The time which whales can remain under water has been also exaggerated. It has been asserted that they can endure submersion for many hours. As a general rule, five or ten minutes is the period varied by two minutes breathing space. But when feeding, fifteen or twenty minutes is not unusual. Scoresby mentions a harpooned whale as having dived for a period of 40 minutes, and Scammon assigns 1 hour and 20 minutes as the limit of endurance. The Greenland whale produces a single foal, or a sucker, at birth. The young creature, when born, is 10 to 14 feet long. The mother does not desert it until the expiration of a year or so, and the amount of maternal affection exhibited has been often commented upon. Scoresby, who was compelled to mingle commercial enterprise with due regard to the sentimentality of the twenties, remarks that there is something extremely painful in the destruction of a whale when thus evincing a degree of affectionate regard for its offspring that would do honor to the superior intelligence of human beings. Yet the object of the adventure, the value of the prize, the joy of the capture, cannot be sacrificed to feelings of compassion. This whale is not really gregarious. When a number are seen together, it is an accident due to their having congregated at the same feeding spot. There are various thrilling stories of adventures with harpooned whales, but it seems that the dangers are not due to any ferocity on the part of the animal itself, which is one of the most timid of beasts, so much so, indeed, that a bird alighting upon its back sometimes sets it off in great agitation and terror. It is in this respect markedly unlike the fierce and malicious Californian whale. The accidents that have happened to the whalers are simply due to the struggles of the great beast when harpooned. They are not purposely directed at its enemies at all. But it is said that a Greenland whale cannot throw up into the air in the way that Scoresby depicts in an oft-copied picture, a boat and its crew. Since a whale of 60 feet in length would weigh 100 tons, it is not at all surprising that the lashing of its tail and its terrified rushes may prove extremely dangerous. It has been mentioned that there are slight variations in the Greenland whale, chiefly concerning the proportions of the head and trunk. Scammon distinguishes the bowhead or great polar whale from the right whale of the northwestern coast, Balena sieboldi of Gray, 
but this latter whale is probably Balena australis, which will be dealt with on another page. This whale has the longest whalebone of all whalebone whales. In a whale of 47 feet long, the bone was as much as 10 feet 6 inches long. The length may even reach 12 feet, and the color is black, not piebald or white, which is met with other whales. There may be 350 or more of the laminae of whalebone on each side of the mouth. Scammon relates that 370 layers of whalebone is the largest number that he ever counted. The typical bowhead, which Scammon does not differentiate from the Balena mysticetus, occurs chiefly in the vicinity of Bering Strait. In the Sea of Okhotsk, there is to be found, in addition to the typical Greenland whale, a smaller variety called in the vernacular of the American whalers, Poggy. This creature yields but a small quantity of oil, as compared with its larger relatives. They yield per whale from 75 to 200 barrels. The Poggy only furnishes from 20 to 25 barrels. Many whalemen, proceeds Captain Scammon, are of the opinion that this is a different species. There is little doubt, however, of this being a young whale of the same species, as its blubber is close and fine, producing but little oil in proportion to size of body, as is the case with all calves or young whales of every description. Nevertheless, Scammon is of opinion that this sea does contain a distinct variety of the common Greenland whale, which he terms and figures as Roy's bunchback. Its most characteristic feature is a small hump or bunch a little in front of the tail, a structure which resembles the series of low humps found on the back of the sperm whale, and is no doubt the vanishing equivalent of the strongly marked dorsal fin of other whales. It is said that these whales yield a larger amount of bone in proportion to oil and that the blowholes are situated higher up. End of section 11. Recording by Mike Botez.